Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. I'm so pumped to record this episode, actually all three of the episodes in the next series. Um, So if you're listening live week to week, we've got three weeks coming up of a pretty in-depth discussion of of interviews and of screening candidates and finding the right person. And one of the reasons that I'm so excited to record this is because this is some a question that we get almost all the time beginning in the phase two part of our contract with our clients. So when we're either about to hire their next employee or we're starting to hire for your very first employee, we've sorted out the compliance, we've figured out what your employer brand is, we know what your culture is starting to look like, and generally what's left is getting people on board and getting them excited to be active participants in the culture. And sometimes that's people you already are super connected with and that have maybe even helped you build your business. Or if you are not a business owner, then it's people that you've been developing on your team and the relationships that you have with your leads and things like that. So I guess selfishly, I'm just really pumped to be able to send this episode over to our clients um, and send this series over to our clients to give just a really solid baseline of the approach to take when it comes to interviewing. And the reason that I think this is important is because there is a lot of high-level information out there. And over the course of the last three years in helping with small businesses, and these are small business meaning less than 50 employees but or less than 100 employees, but their revenue markers are not small. So like, don't get it twisted. But when we're helping these small teams, I should say, um, particularly identifying as small businesses, it's just so fun to, and I know everyone's like, Kira, no one thinks this is fun. Only you think this is fun. (laughs) But I think that a lot of our clients end up getting really passionate about it and really enjoying this part of things because choosing the people that are going to represent your team are such a it's such a thing that's so scary, close to your heart. Uh, it really represents what you're trying to build, bringing people into your mission, not only to buy from you, because that's not what we're talking about here, but we're talking about how to build a team from the inside out, to be walking, talking billboards for your company, and also to just be a the biggest support system that you've ever had. So as a person that has a always had a right hand or a few right hands, um, depending on the business that we're running, that's my most valuable relationship. And I value the opinion of the people that I bring into my orbit so much. And I'm not just talking about the high-level directors. I'm talking about maybe entry-level positions or experts in their field that are coming onto the team that I hire, that are, that are employees because we're lucky enough to have a couple of those 
where they have really valuable opinions. And I think that teaching people to bring their opinions to work and then filter it through the messaging of your company is what makes it a team member that's really invested. Now, the way that we teach interviewing is it's going to be different for everyone, but actually the process isn't. So when we say interviewing is different for everyone and the hiring process is different for everyone, I used to think that it was really customized depending on the business. But what it came down to is it's just as formulaic as anything else in business. And actually, the more formulaic you get, the more creative you can be when it comes to the people part of it. So the discussions that you're having and how you're measuring up, measuring candidates up next to each other um, based on a lot of different factors. And so in the next three weeks, we're going to talk about basically the the process from the initial interview all the way until deciding on your candidate. And we're going to include a little bit of compliance discussion about what you can and can't ask and things like that. So if you're a client and I said, go listen to this episode, then it's probably because you're at that really cool stage where you're translating your values and what you want the next hire in your business to be into somebody that you know that you can ensure is going to be good and give yourself the best chance to hire well. Um, And you may even be considering using a recruiter, in which case this is still important for you to know because recruiters are going to think about these things as well. A good one will. So that means that you're going to be able to give them really clear and straightforward answers about your expectations, which, which only makes their job easier. So in this episode today, we're going to talk about the first couple steps in our ever-evolving interview process. So the four steps of evaluating candidates and choosing a candidate, we call it an interview process, uh, are generally going to be outlined as that first checklist interview. That screening interview could be a quick phone call, doesn't necessarily have to be on Zoom. Um, there are systems out there that are now converting these over to video calls um, where they answer certain questions, things like that. I like to keep it personal unless you have like you're going through thousands and thousands of candidates to, f- to hire 20 people or something like that. Um, those automated processes are going to be helpful, but you can take a little bit more of a active role, especially if you're the one making the decision and it's, you know, a smaller team, um, especially when we have clients that might have 20 employees or something like that. It may be a little bit better for you to pass this episode on to one of your team members, and you may be that team member. So hello. Um, But it also is going to be really important for everyone in this process to understand what you're looking for. So I'm just going to dive right in and talk about that initial first step, that checklist and screening process. Uh, The first four steps, let me just lay these out really quick. It's going to be checklist screening, kind of get it all out there, make sure they're qualified on the basic level, Um, make sure they meet the requirements that you're laying out there. Um, There may be a couple of little cultural things in that process, especially if it's a really high value position that you're getting a lot, a lot of applicants for. Um, You might even have a little bit of a culture fit, which we'll talk about later, but a culture fit question in there or just want to see if people are going to go over and above to tell you why it means so much to them to be interviewed for the job or just some kind of initial communication that shows something deeper than if they're a U.S. citizen or a Canadian citizen or if they're able to be hired in the U.S. Those are two different questions. Um, If they meet the age requirements, if they meet the education requirements, just asking those things you know, nine times out of 10, most of the people are going to tell you the truth. And so when it comes time later, 
there you're going to check it off and it's going to be good to go. But that first part, the checklist and screening, can be such a pivotal part of the conversation because it takes down your initial applicant list to hopefully something that you can manage on one or two hands. So from two to 300 people into maybe 10 or so candidates or less. Less is best, honestly. Um, And then next, we have the second part of the process, which is to go a little bit deeper, finding that culture fit. It's a deeper conversation. It's a little bit more personality driven. You're going to talk, maybe ask some really specific questions about their experience and things like that. So we've already screened them. We don't even have to get into that, into that second interview. But when you're getting into when we think about interviewing someone, most people jump right to the second stage. So we always anticipate doing that checklist screening first. And then once they meet all those categories, going a little bit deeper and figuring out the culture fit, talking to them a little bit more about their experience. You, Contrary to popular belief, you don't need 15 interviews to get down to somebody's personality and who they are and what they can do for you and your company. Um, but if you're really smart about it, then it starts way before the interview process is when you're already screening people. So, And that's what the job post. So the third part or the third step is generally to validate. So anything that they told you in the checklist and screening, any experience that they've laid out, if they have references, go ahead and validate those. Um, Generally, this is around the same time that you're going to be sending out a an assessment or something like that, which is the final step, which is to evaluate. So that's when you're actually sending out any additional information that you or sending out an opportunity to collect any additional information that you might need so that we can take that all into consideration when we're thinking about which candidates should be offered a position. So in this episode, those four things, checklist or the screening part process, that second, go a little deeper culture fit interview, Validating the information is step three, and evaluating the information is step four. Now, don't no need to write any of those things down. We're going to just kind of flow through over the next three weeks and cover them all. I will say that when I first started interviewing people over ten years ago, I was like all about that second process. I was like, no, I want to, I want to hire great people. I want to make sure every single person is perfect, and I want to get along with them and laugh in the interview and blah blah blah. Well, now after probably doing over. I don't know, 5,000 interviews over the years, Um, hundreds and hundreds of great applicants, some amazing interview process people that don't turn out to be great employees. There's, we can pretty much limit um, the areas where that we can predict a person's behavior, but you can only really do your best. And one, some people say no one is good at hiring, and I don't believe that to be the case. I think that our numbers for retention and our clients, client, our clients' employer retention numbers speak to a thoughtful process making a massive difference. Um, but most companies out there are hiring for quantity, so they're looking for lots and lots and lots of people, and so the evaluation doesn't go as deep. Or they're taking more chances because they can afford it because losing one in three employees to not having a good fit in the first 90 days or you know things like that don't necessarily make as big of a difference when you have a big, huge company with hundreds of people coming in. So just keep in mind that if you're working in a smaller environment or you're hiring for a small team, then you can be good at hiring. You can be good at learning from your mistakes and asking the right questions. But somebody can go through your whole process and still go MIA on their first day. And we don't always know why. Uh, Somebody can go through your whole process and meet every standard. You can call and check their references. Everything's checking out. They're responsive for the two-week process. 
Um, they're pumped, they're excited, and then something happens that is out of our control within their first few weeks of employment, and they have to take a step back or, you know, or quit the job, or they get offered another job. A lot of people that we're competing for talent for are getting offered other positions at the same time. So, and all, all of that is to say, our general number of retention for employees is much higher than somebody quitting, you know, within their first 90 days and every one to three and stuff like that. In fact, most of our clients are going to see probably three times a better odds of having a, a long-term candidate. And I'm unhappy and happy to say that generally speaking, the only time um, or the more the most common time when teams have to be restructured, people have to be let go, um, things like that, which doesn't happen super often, is usually when the business's needs change. And we kind of love that because that means that this person did their job in helping you grow, make realizations, or figure out what's next. Um, so just keep in mind that you're actually allowed to make those mistakes when you're and those changes and you can adjust your business and not this isn't a marriage. You know, you want to make a long-term fit, but at the same time, you have your compliance and everything in order, like you can make decisions that are best for the business. And I don't mean bring people in, see what you can get, and then let them go. Like that's actually the first thing we're going to talk about here is in that process about, you know, today we're talking about that checklist, that screening process, and going a little deeper and finding that culture fit. And there's two things that are super important when it comes to this process. And the first is about the ease and experience of the candidate. So your best candidates, your most responsible, your most responsive candidates are not necessarily going to be willing to jump through hoops to get a great job. They're going to be willing to follow instructions. They're going to be able to show up on time. They're going to be able to make clear, concise conversation. They're going to be able to be responsive. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to find some hidden word in a job description or they're going to memorize the job description. We're competing for candidates and talent talent just the same way that talent is competing for a job in our company. And showing up as an old that old school HR mentality that some of us have been taught that you don't deserve to, you know, be here, you're lucky you get to meet with me, things like that are just not going to work in building a really productive company culture. Now, if this is something that you fully disagree with, then, you know, first of all, listen to the rest of the series and see how you feel after, but it's we're probably not friends. Like you probably don't really want to change the way that people operations and HR shows up in business. Uh, this is probably not a priority for you. We probably aren't. Par paradigm's probably not the right fit for you. But we're showing up here for our clients to make sure they can find good long-term fit for their people. Uh, they can make sure that they're providing things that are important to the growth of the business. And we're also wanting to make sure that we're getting a return on the investment from the people that we're bringing in without exploiting them. And that all of those things working together through the filter of your is through the filter of your company culture. So if you showed up to this episode and you're like, well, no, they don't deserve to be on a call with me. How dare they be late? You know, things like that. Then maybe that's the way that the culture is. Um, and maybe that it, and also maybe you didn't create the culture. Maybe you're a middle manager that's just trying to get by and find better tips and tricks. And to which case, if you're going to be managing these people, you can actually 
you can't change the whole company culture, but you can be really clear and specific about what is expected so that you're bringing in candidates that are going to be successful, not only in working on your team, but also in working for the company as a whole, if you're not the person in charge of creating that culture. So for those CEOs and entrepreneurs, it's going to be a much deeper level. Think about this in a sense of if you're going to have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 500 employees on your team, you're still going to want the people that are making the hiring decisions to reflect back on your company culture and make sure that they're hiring people that fit in there well. And I really want to just make sure that we're not forgetting that the experience of the candidate is important. Especially if you work in small business, you may not be providing big time employee benefits right out the gate. So the interview process is a way for you to show them that their individual experience is important. And many people like me, um, for example, 10 years ago, to take jobs based on what their growth potential is, the impact they can have, the not being a number on a corporate database, but being a human person that helps make decisions and is a part of a team and is able to serve a business, have a good job, but also have a life. And they will make big sacrifices in regards to money and benefits, and they'll take risks on small business if they think that they're going to be showing up doing something that they like every day for someone that they respect. And that starts in the interview process. Like I said, I touched on this a little bit earlier. We're not going to touch on this a ton in this series, but keep in mind, this is all as if you already posted an incredible job post that was reflective of your culture, reflective of you as a leader, reflective of who you are. And then you're able to take it, take the applicants that you've attracted and run with them. You've actually already repelled quite a few people at that point um, because A, they just didn't appreciate what you were offering and it wasn't something that they were looking for. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or they're a bad person. It's just not the right fit job-wise. Um, and B, that there is a chance to create a relationship, but by the time you get on those interviews with them, even if it's quick screening or you know we're doing a screening for you or you have a recruiter that's doing it for you, you already have kind of established yourself as what type of leader you're going to be. And they already feel like they know you. And that's a really cool thing to do because it's a really effective way to build trust in a relationship with a team member without having to actually show up every single moment for them. Now, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but you can cut to the po- cut to the chase. And when you're going and prioritizing the ease and experience of the candidate, then you're going to be able to b- start to build that trust even before you're paying for their time to do so, which is a super effective way to get a return on investment right away when you bring someone into your team is to prioritize that experience and prioritize the trust that you're building between you, your company, and your potential new team member. And then by the time you're paying them, they're already ready to go and they may already be ready to make you money. So I think that's a really fun way to kind of create a win-win situation. So we want to make them feel really comfortable. We want them to have a great experience. We want them to We want to make it easy for them to show up. You know, don't hide the Zoom link in an email that they never got. Don't, you know, hold it against them if they're having a little bit of internet issues and they show up on their phone or something like that. Just keep it casual, especially in this first interview. Keep it easy, you know, collect the information that you need. Make sure that you're getting yeses and nos, black and white responses. If you're not clear, don't be afraid to dig in a little bit more. Hey, would you be able to send me you know, proof of that graduation or that certificate when you have a moment? Um, now, be careful what you ask for. We'll talk about that next week. But generally speaking, we just want to make sure that people are going to be really, really comfortable when 
when they're talking to you because that's going to show you who they really are. And we also want to make sure that we're doing our best to provide clear instructions and to be considerate of their time. One of the things that happens to me all the time is I run over and so my interviews will often be late. So giving a window of time in which you might call for a screening call is usually a really good idea. That way, if you get a little bit behind, you're not you know, deteriorating the trust or they don't think that they're less important or something like that. Or if you are running late, just shooting over a quick message, letting them know that you're running a few minutes behind. Uh, no matter how hard I try, I'm always running late for stuff. You know, at the end of the day, it's usually, it's not my first call of the day that's late. It's usually (laughs) the second or third that runs over. And that's just the way that our team has to be able to function. And I think that it's okay to do that, but you just want to make sure that you're not bringing someone into your team that is going to need really strict, strict rigidity and somebody that's going to be able to respond if that is to happen. Or if you're the opposite and you're like, we start on time every time, no matter what, I will hang up on someone in the middle of a call. If it means I'm going to be late for the next person, then that will also come across during these interviews too. And again, there's no right way to do it, but just be authentic. If I was doing that and then they come into my team and I'm almost always 10 minutes late for our team meeting and they're all in there hanging out or whatever, then I don't mean it in a way of disrespect. And it kind of kills me that this happens. But if there is something at the end of the day that you can be authentic and true to you as a as a leader, then that's what you should lean into because that's what they're signing up for to work with you. And there's nothing wrong with it. So the second thing that we really want to focus on outside of the ease and experience of the candidate in those first two steps is crystal clarity around the what. So meaning what is it that they're going to be doing? What does the job look like? What is the culture like? What's the growth trajectory? What's the benefits package? What's the compensation? You know, things like that. Crystal clarity around those things, but be open, so open about the who, because if you have somebody really specific in mind, then you may have unintentional bias along the way that could cause you to skip over exceptional candidates that could move the needle forward in your business. And the reason that I want to bring this up is because, you know, this isn't necessarily like a diversity training or anything like that, although we do talk about that quite a bit. But culture fit has often been used as a smokescreen for biased hiring, saying, oh, they're not a great culture fit. They just wouldn't fit in, blah, 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 blah. And that is frankly just a way to hide behind real efforts for diversity and inclusion. And I'm not trying to say that you're doing something wrong because – you know, you didn't see them as a good culture fit, but just make sure that you're being really critical of when you use that term, that you're really able to explain what that looks like and what that means. And we're not talking about politics, religion, you know, anything like that. Like we're, which really does create a situation where we're literally talking about what it's like to work within your business and how you articulate that on paper and how you have created your job post, your job description, your culture, your employer brand, even your own personal brand, if you're going to be the person that they're reporting to and hanging out in meetings each day. So being able to just kind of be aware that sometimes culture fit can be used as an excuse uh, to not hire someone that might just be somebody that you're uncomfortable with or that you're different from, or it doesn't really, you know, as a as a leader, you're likely not going to get in trouble for discriminatory hiring practices because of culture fit. But I would definitely be cognizant that your business will go further with more diverse and inclusive hiring practices. So all of that is to say that if you are someone that's hiring your very first employee, or 
your fifth employee ever and you have a really small team, five people, you know, that kind of thing. I want to give you, especially for that first hire, but also up until those first few team members that are going to be, I mean, double digit impact on in the percentage wise of what your culture looks like. If you have a team of four people, then everybody's contributing 25% to what your culture is. So it's okay to lean into comfort and fun and personality fit and you know, it's okay to be like, wow, I just felt really comfortable around this person. We come from a really similar background. We speak the same language. The communication is going to be easy. I still want to give you permission to do that, even if you are trying to build a diverse team. Because especially when you have that small of a team, it is important to establish that diversity and inclusion and diverse hiring practices are something that's important to you if they are, which they should be, which they probably are if you're listening to this. Um, But also because your company is going to make more money if you have a diverse workforce. So you may be holding your company back if you lean too hard into, I feel the most comfortable around this person. And trying having a consultant or someone that you trust that you can talk to about these hiring decisions is going to be a really helpful way for you to lean into this new responsibility. So all of that is to say that there are things that you cannot and should not ask for in an interview. So I'm going to go into what we call the interview no-nos. Just give you a couple of examples because this is a question that I get from clients a lot, and that is, what am I allowed to ask for in the interview process? And it can be hard to decipher between the legal things you can ask for versus the ethical things that you can ask for. So we have created a document that you can download and as uh, it's called our interview no-nos. And it's basically just a summary of interview questions that you should shy away from, um, especially if you're hiring for the first time. Because when you are hiring, that means that you're taking on the responsibility of awareness of labor laws, discrimination laws, and all kinds of different things like that, even if you're hiring a contractor for the first time. So to be aware of these things is to be diligent and responsible and to take on that side of being a business owner. So there is additional responsibilities. So all of that is really not meant to overwhelm you because most of those things are going to be pretty clear and straightforward when you can identify the areas that you're going to see that they're not, they don't really matter that much. And that is also coming from a place of I'll be on an interview with someone or meeting them in person and having a good conversation and we get right up against something that I would not recommend that you ask about. Um, And it almost comes out of my mouth, like just based on the fact that we're having this conversation that's really interesting and I'm getting to know this person. But just kind of making sure that I have that knowledge in the back of my mind so that I can essentially steer the conversation in another way, regardless if I meant harm by it or not. Um, just getting to know people in this in this type of way and in, in the type of interview process that we teach is going to put you in a position to have really deep and meaningful conversations, but you have to have that knowledge in the back of your head of what you can and can't talk about because it's most likely going to be an accident if you break one of those discrimination laws, especially if having a diverse and equitable team is important to you. So keep in mind that legal, ethically, or even just Because it's not important to your company culture, those questions that you shouldn't ask in an interview are – you don't always have to understand exactly why, but it is a really good idea to keep those top of mind, especially if interviewing isn't something you've done hundreds and hundreds and thousands of times. Um, On the flip side of that, what you really want to worry about is – 
and what you want to spend time thinking about is what is key to your team culture. And you can use our examples of interview questions to find what would work best for you. So, and if you're one of our clients, then we're going to talk about this. But if you're hiring for your own direct the direct report, this authenticity will be easy because essentially you're going to show up as yourself because that's who's going to be managing them. But if you're a manager that's hiring for a bigger team or somebody that's not going to be reporting to you, if you're an operations director or um, a hiring manager or something like that, then the authenticity can be a little bit difficult because the personality that they're working with through the interview process with you may be a little bit different than what they see when they're working for their new manager. So actually sticking to those company culture standards and those company team standards are going to be really important when you're when you're hiring for this position, um, for any position in a company, big or small. So just being aware of what is and is not reflective of the company culture is key so that you can create that crystal clarity so you can represent it correctly. And bringing that authenticity to the table is super important, especially when you want to get somebody to open up and show you who they really are. Um, But on that same token, it's also really important to make sure that when people are showing you who they really are, make sure that you're open and willing to accept who they are and to still Make sure that you have a way to assess all of the candidates that you're going through in a fair and equitable environment. So on that note, uh, we have our interview bundle, which for listeners of this podcast, you can actually download for 50% off. So it's going to include a couple of really cool um, sets of our favorite interview questions. There's tons and tons there. It's going to include our interview no-nos as well as our three-part process for interviewing. So it's going to give you kind of a quick you know, walk through scripting type of discussion um, that you might use when you're interviewing for the first time. And then you can use all of these different documents to slowly but surely create a process that is reflective of your whole company culture that can be shared throughout your team. And I think it's really fun to look through and see which questions are the most valuable, how you can tweak them, how you can use them. Um, And of course, we're always here to help. So make sure that you download that bundle and use our code to get 50% off. You can find that in our show notes down below, or you can just use the code UAU1023 when buying our interviewing bundle on settoscale.com. So all of that was really those first two steps of our interviewing process. And next week, tune back in and we're going to talk about the validation and evaluation stages of interviewing. And I can't wait to get into part two. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.